Today's reading comes from Ephesians, the first chapter, verses 15 through 23. Hear these words. That's why, when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I think of you and give thanks. But I do more than think. I ask. Ask God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule, and not just from the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of the, all this, Christ rules the, the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Ever-equipping God as I speak, may you increase and I decrease. May the words you have given me for this message be seeds that rest in our hearts that we might bear fruit for you here on earth. May I be bold and courageous in speaking what it is you've given me to speak. And may we, as your people, have ears that hear. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Love letters. Do you remember love letters? I have this drawer in my bedside table. And I can pull that drawer out, and in that drawer there are letters from the love of my life. And there's nothing I love more than to, to go and read those letters and be reminded of the love that drew us together and the love that we have together. I asked someone today, a younger generation, I said, have you ever written a love letter? His response to me was, no, but I've written a love text. And I just had to laugh because I thought, how sad it is that in this day of technology that we won't be able to go back and read what our loved ones say for us and how they express their love to us. Today, we get a chance to understand the passion that Paul had for his church. You see, he's written to the church of Ephesus. And he's telling, the first thing he says is, every time I think of you, you know, I have some love letters that say that same line. In fact, I've probably wrote, written some love letters that have that same line. Every time I think of you, I rejoice. I give thanks, he says. I give thanks, and here's why he gives thanks. 
not because of who they are or what they've done or the character that they're made up of. No special ministry, no special outreach, no pretty house, no pretty car, no pretty looks, no favorite moment they dance together. He rejoices and gives thanks to God because of their trust. Their trust not in one another, their trust not in the institution of the church, but their trust in Jesus. Paul has mentored these people into relationship. He has mentored these people into a community of faith. And when he thinks of what they're doing, when he thinks of what they're going through, when he's in his prayers and he's offering himself to God and they come up on his heart and in his mind, he rejoices at the thought because he knows they trust in God. They trust in God because they've seen and experienced the evidence of who God is. I read those love letters because it reminds me of the foundation of the relationship I have with the love of my life. It reminds me of those wonderful moments when we were courting one another or those anniversaries or those special times in our lives when we've put down on paper with pencil and pen, and wrote our emotions and our expressions of love for one another so that we could internalize that and live by it. That's what Paul wants us to do when we read this letter. He wants us to be remembered and to remember the foundations of our faith. It's Ascension Sunday. Now, some people are going to say, okay, it's not Easter, it's not Christmas, but it's Ascension Sunday. We really need to celebrate this Sunday larger than any Sunday we can think of. Pentecost is next week, the coming of the Holy Spirit on the people of God. But this week is Ascension Sunday. This week we need to open the Bible and we need to read the love letters of what God did for who God loves. Us, the people of God. God poured out God's power. Paul says... I celebrate because I know God poured out God's power. God did more than you can fathom what God did. God, think about it this way. He's celebrating that Jesus is sitting in God's right hand and Jesus is over all things and that the people of his church have embraced that theology and are living into that theology. Have we as the people of God embraced that theology? Because what he says was God poured out his power. And one of the texts, one of the scholars I read, he says, God reversed nature. Think about that. Think about that. If we're willing to understand that God poured out God's power, an abundance of God's power, power that we can't fathom. Have you ever seen a bird fly backwards? Have you ever seen a leaf get up off the ground and jump back on the tree? Now, where I live, the grass automatically grows back. But most of the time, we can't see a reversal in nature. But God reversed nature. He took what was dead and he made it alive again. And he not only made it alive again, he called it to be with God's self in heaven. He called it to be in, I love how Peterson writes it. God called him to be in heaven deep heaven. Now, he's not on the periphery of heaven. 
He's in deep heaven. He's in that inner circle of heaven. God reversed nature so much that Jesus landed by his side. God's plan. That Jesus, our Savior, the Christ, landed by his side so that he wouldn't be just one of the angels. He had no intention for Jesus, the Christ, to be one of the angels. And Paul is so happy that his people have embraced this understanding. He, has, he prays for them and wants them to have this understanding so much that they live from that power. When you get up every morning... Where does your power come from? What gives you the energy to walk through every day? I am realizing that as I am nearing a birthday week and my body is a year older than it used to be, that it takes a little while for me to find my power source. In the mornings, I have to stretch a little more and move a little different than when I was younger. I used to snap out of bed and I was happy Johnny-go-lucky in the morning and now... There seems to be a moan and a groan as I begin to find the power source that is my vitality for the day. But Paul's rejoicing that the church recognizes the ascension of Jesus as power from God. And that they're willing to live into that and know that if they can live with God in them, then they can do all things. That they can be who it is God has called them to be. If we wake up every morning and we say to ourselves, my God, reverse nature. My God brought Jesus from the dead. My God overcame man's power. My God said, I want Jesus next to me because I want Jesus to oversee all things. If we can embrace that as people of God and live from that power, we should be light of step eager of spirit, and hearts full of love for one another. Because we know we have a God that nothing, not a pandemic, not a virus, not a weakened economy, not a scared society, not all the guidelines that we have to do, nothing can keep us from God. Nothing at all can keep us from God. Nothing at all can keep God's power from being unleashed in our lives if we're willing to live into and live with the ascended Christ. Because God's power was poured out through the ascension. God's power was poured out for us. Not to show off, but to give us tangible things that we can hang on to, and that's the ascended Christ. Now, Luke Luke tells a different story and tells the physical story of Jesus ascending into the heavens. If you want to read that, go, go read in the Gospel of Luke. It'll tell you about Jesus off the mountain being ascended into the heaven. But Paul celebrates that it's within the church, and the church has that spirit, and the church feels that spirit, and the church lives from that power. And that's what we're called to do today, even through pandemic times, is to face each and every day from that power. Someone said to me, Barry, are you worried? And I said, worried about what? Worried about the church. I said, what do you mean worried about the church? Well, the church isn't meeting. Your people aren't gathering. Are you worried about the church? And I took a deep breath and I said, let me tell you this. 
The church doesn't live because we meet. The church lives because we believe. And though we are not meeting, which makes it easier for us to focus on the love of God and Jesus as our Christ and the power that comes from that, what we have to do now, I'm going to say the church is probably stronger in pandemic times because we have to be intentional about who we are. We have to be intentional about where our power comes from. We have to be intentional about what we believe during the midst of the uncertainty. We may have had it too easy before the pandemic because we could just come and and participate with everybody else and, and fit into the crowd. But the church, the body of Christ, that who live in the world, that who live out the works of Christ, the church, not the building, not the universal church, but the body of Christ, the people of God who walk amongst the world and share the love of Christ, that draw from that holy power to live their lives, have to be more intentional in the midst of the uncertainty to live a life that is the calling of God. And so I would say to you, the church is probably stronger today than it was three months ago. I would say that Paul would be rejoicing with us, that he would say, in the midst of all your uncertainty, you have not lost your faith because of your intentionality. The church carries on. And when he says the church, he means the body of Christ. He quotes Psalms 110, I love it. He says, God raised him from the dead and he put the rest of the world, this is Psalm 8, 110 says he raised him from the dead and he put him at his right side. And Psalm 8 says he put everything under his feet. Now that's not a government sense. That's a sense of love. That's a sense of pouring out of spirit. You see, not only did God move in unnatural ways when Jesus was ascended into the heavens, God continues because he placed him at his right hand and he said to him, all things. All things. You see, when Paul says in the scriptures that the church is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church, he's saying that it is God who is above all things and Christ is at his right hand. And if we, the people of God, find our power and we can understand that in Jesus there are limitless boundaries. Do you hear that? In Jesus, there are limitless boundaries. My phone goes off all day long. All day long at all hours of the day. I receive text messages. I receive phone calls. And here's the number one request. This is going on in my life. Would you pray? This is going on in our family. Would you pray? Can I just talk to you for a minute? Would you listen? There are no boundaries. There are no boundaries to where God wants to move. It could be local people. It could be people I met in my childhood. It could be people I don't even know, but a friend told them, said, hey, call this guy. Each one of us possess that power. But with Christ, there are no boundaries. But see, Christ is above all things and in all things. And so it's the world that lies at the periphery of the power of Christ. And we're in the world, so we start from the center with Christ in our center, and we move out into the world. And if we move out into the world intentional in this uncertainty uncertainty, to love others as God has loved us, then we have the power of God with us. 
And we can go wherever and whenever and love others. Now, I did not say ignore the precautions that people say. I'm saying you can go where you need to go and you can serve God where God is calling you to serve. And it may be in your home. But it may be down on Main Street at the cafe. It may be wherever God's calling you in the schools when they return. It may be in the grocery store. It may be wherever you go to have fun. God may be using you. But you have to recognize that God's power is in you, and there is a God who has power that you can't fathom. And he put the power in human form in the Christ and placed that power at his right side, and that power is over each and every one of us. If we're willing to live within that. And that's what Paul says next in his letter. He says, not only do I give thanks for you, not only do I give thanks that God raised Jesus from the dead and he put all things, all things in his power. I pray that your mind, the human mind is such a fragile thing. Such a fragile thing. It can control your happiness. It can control all of your emotions. And it can take you and it can lead you down trails you don't even need to go down. But if it's centered on Christ, Paul's prayer is this that you can envision, that you can grasp, that you can grasp how powerful your God is. That while you're home alone in those quiet times, while you're being sequestered at the house or social distancing or, or quarantined, that your mind would absorb the enormity of God. And the enormity of what God did in the act of raising Jesus from the dead, and not just raising Jesus from the dead, but lifting God, Jesus into God's presence and placing Jesus at his side so that together they are over all things, over all the universe, bigger than the universe. For it is not the universe that controls us, but it is Christ who goes with us. And we, the people of God, have to be willing to accept and this is the best part about this whole writing. Paul is so in love with his church that he wants them to understand these, these things. That the power is great and the boundaries are unlimited. And that if, if you could just possibly get your mind wrapped around it. You know, I've read some love letters from the love of my life at times when I didn't deserve to even hold the paper in my hand. I had been such a horrible partner in our lives that, that I had hurt my partner so much and the love of my life so much. And I would pull that letter out and I would read it and I would weep. Because in spite of all things that had happened in our relationship, that love never ended. And that's what Paul wants his people to understand. Wants his mind to conceive and, and the heart to, to believe that God's power is so great and God's boundaries are so unlimited. There is no limit to the love God can give. And here's the best part about it. He not only thanks God, he asks God. Paul loves his people so much that he asks God to be manifested in their lives. What greater gift can we give one another? then if we're going to be vessels of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be vessels of the ascended Christ, if we're going to be vessels of unconditional love, 
than that God's self is manifested through us. Not only that we might know, but that all might know. There's a, a couple I love. They've modeled what it means to be in relationship with one another. And they were married for a long, long time. And they had this picture arrangement on their wall. And it starts at the very top, and it has a picture of him and a picture of her. And then it has a, pictures of each one of their children. And then next to each one of their children, it has a picture of their children's spouse. And then underneath each of the children and their spouses, it has pictures of all of the grandchildren and how they belong in the family. And then, then if you go a little further, it has pictures of all of the grandchildren. It's one of the most beautiful collection of pictures I've ever seen. And above it, it says this, all because two people fell in love. It started with two people falling in love. And then those two people produced four or five other people. And then those four or five other people fell in love with other people, and it made it eight or ten. And then eight or ten grew to where they produced 14, 15, 16, 22, 25, however many. And it just kept on going because two people believed in the power of love. Church, we believe in a power that's greater than human love. We believe in an unconditional power that comes from God. A God that can reverse nature. That's the power we believe in. And Paul asked that we might understand and that the Spirit of God might live through us. Christ has risen. Christ not only has risen from the dead, Christ has ascended from the earth and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And everything is under His power. That's who my God is. That's who your God is. J.B. Phillips asked this question. Is your God too small? Today, Paul tells us how big our God is. Let us be able to answer the question. Our God is not too small. We serve a great, great God who is a God of great love. And if you don't believe it, pull out the drawer, dust off the cover, and read the love letter again. Amen and amen.